You are now listening to The Power of the Cross with Bishop Farrell Wilson with the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, I ask you, God, to anoint me. I'm just a frail human being. I know if you'll anoint me this morning to preach your word, it doesn't matter how I perform. It doesn't matter how eloquent I say something. The anointing of the Holy Spirit makes the difference. That's what penetrates the hearts and lives of men and women. That's what will set the captive free, Lord God. That's what brings people up under conviction. That's what brings joy to the heart. When you, Lord God, send the Holy Spirit, God, upon this earth to work with men and women and deal with their hearts, let them know where they stand with you and to bring joy and peace into their life. We'll be careful to give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. The story of the Pharisee and the publican is a story of two sinners in church. And that's the topic of my message this morning is two sinners in church. One knew he was a sinner and acknowledged it before God. The other didn't know he was a sinner. And he boasted of his righteousness. It's the story of a good man on his way to hell. It's the story of a bad man on his way to heaven. Let me say that one more time. I want you to think about that this morning. It's the story of a good man on his way to hell. And it's the story of a bad man on his way to heaven. Here we see these two men going into the temple. You can just think of it as church. It was the church of their day. One goes to the front seat and proudly takes his place there the Pharisee, and he, and he cries out, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. Everything I do is good, and I do nothing bad. That's what he was saying. The other man stands far off, and he beats his breast. You know why? Because he knew what was down on the inside of him. And he said, Lord, I'm nothing but an old sinner. Just have mercy on me. The two attitudes we see, one boasting before God, the other not so much as he lifting up his head to look up in the heavens and pouring out his heart to a God that loves him. One sees a great need, and the other sees himself. We had these seeing two people in the world today, and they go to church every Sunday. One says, I'm a good person. Look at the fine things I've done. But look at these other folks. What a shame it is, the life they live. The other person is much less common in our church nowadays. It's the person that stands up and says, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need help, Lord. I'm guilty before you, God. God, I need your mercy. That's a rare creature nowadays in our church. It's sad to say, but it's a very rare person we see. 
That day the church let out. One walked home in self-righteousness. The other went home thanking God, rejoicing his sins were forgiven. The master storyteller Jesus said one man went home justified. And the other had a sinful heart. I just want to take a few moments today to just look at these two people, and I hope that this will speak to you today and let us know where we stand before God. The Pharisee prayed with himself and not God. He wasn't praying to God. He was boasting. He was standing up in the church. He wasn't worried about what God heard. He was worried about what the people around him heard. God, look at what I'm doing. Look how wonderful I am. Look at all these great things that I'm doing. Prayer is to pour your heart out to God. Prayer is not to boast before men and women. You can say the greatest prayers before men. It's not with the right heart. They're hitting brass. They're hitting a brass ceiling. God doesn't hear those kind of prayers. God wants to hear those prayers from a heart that is repentant. The Pharisee bragged of his good standing. He was saying, my life is clean and I'll never, I've never stooped to immorality. I've never did these bad things other people are doing. You know, there, it's a good thing to be able to say that, that I've never been involved with these types of sins. God has never called us to live in sin. I want to get that straight before we move forward today. There is nowhere in the Word of God that says sin is okay before Him. There's nowhere in there that it says that we're called to a life of sin, then it is okay. Yet consecration with a wrong heart will not save anybody. Just because you live a great life, just because you've never stooped to certain things, doesn't mean that you're right before God. I'll explain a little bit more. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's a heart issue. It's not a physical outside issue with God. It's what's on your heart on the inside. You know, as you look at this week, I don't know if you paid attention, but out there where we live, it's beautiful. You walk out there at nighttime, we don't have many city lights, and there's many stars you can see with the naked eye, but there are many that are hidden. You can't see a lot of them unless you have a telescope. And years ago, the United States launched the Hubble Space Telescope into space. I think it's one of the greatest discoveries or inventions of my generation. It was to me just to see all the things they discovered. But when they first got it into space, the first images that come back to Earth, they were blurry. They were, I mean, there were literally scientists crying. They spent all these billions of dollars and all this time, and they were crying that they were getting these blurry images. You know what? When things are not right in your life, you can't see what you need to see. You see all the wrong things. What they had to do with the Hubble Space Telescope is they actually had to go back up in space, and they had to put like a pair of glasses on it. They had to stick it inside of there and put it inside the teles or that Hubble Space Telescope so everything would come through clear. Let me tell you what, my friends, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to be your corrective lens, if you will allow Him to work in your life, you'll see life like you've never seen it before. I've been on both sides of it. Everything in the, my past life was nothing but a blur. <laughs> nothing but a blur. I don't want to go back there. I let daily the Holy Spirit be my corrective lens in life. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. 
It doesn't mean that I've arrived to be Christ-like. It just means on a daily basis, I depend upon God's grace and mercy to get me through to another day. It's called the message of the cross. And here's what the message of the cross says. It says your faith in what Christ accomplished at Calvary gives the Holy Spirit the latitude to work in your life. That's what will make a man beat his breast to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm nothing but a wretched mess. Would you please give me some of your grace and mercy? That's what will get you through another day. That's what will give you the power to live an overcoming life. It's not by the good works you do. It's by the power of the Holy Ghost working in your life that will give you the victory over sin. May God help us In this day and age of loose morals, where people think they can go and do anything they want. God's not pleased with this country. You kid yourself all you want. This is a murderous nation that would make Sodom and Gomorrah blush. But yet still in that, many are building their hope on heaven of a purity like the Pharisee. Personal purity is good. But that is all you'll have if you base your hope of heaven on that. You'll be lost. Let me say that one more time. If you're basing your hope for heaven upon your personal purity and how well you perform, you're lost as the day is long. Number three, the Pharisee boasted of his religious life. He prayed. He went to church. He read the Bible. He fasted. These things were no more than ceremonies to him. I want you here every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. I want you here on Wednesday nights. You don't know how much joy it brings me. It saddens pastors to see what has happened in this day and age. It ain't just here. It ain't just at the church down the road. Unless you've got a gimmick or an activity, most people do not want to partake of a church service. Why? Because they're no longer happy with God. The things of God don't thrill them. Entertain us. Let us go to the world. You know what? On the other side of that, when they, they're great qualities and disciplines to have to come to church. That's great, and that's wonderful. You should read your Bible. I don't, how can you know God if you don't read your Bible? At least come to church and hear the preacher read along at a bare minimum. But you know what? Sometime during the day in the week, you ought to open that Bible. If it ain't nothing but a chapter a day, you should be reading something out of there. Those are good qualities to have, yet it's not enough if your heart ain't right. It's not enough. There are many with great religious qualities, yet their heart is black with hatred, jealousy, malice. You know, one of the key things that I was just talking to Stacy about something earlier this morning I mean this with all my heart. I can tell you one of the biggest differences when I first started following Christ. I don't hate anybody anymore. That quality, God strips it out of you. If you let him. I'm not telling you I don't get upset with people. I'm not telling you there ain't my days I'd like to place my hands around some throats of some folks. I'm you like you. I understand that. But I don't let that hatred overwhelm me anymore. I don't hold that grudge. It just is not in me. I don't have that anymore. I'm not telling you we're going to go fishing out the lake and make me mad. But I don't let the sun go down on my wrath anymore. I don't hate people no more. I just don't hate them. 
That's a quality you ought to have as a Christian. Give me a person in the church who says, Lord, I'm a sinner. God, be merciful under me. Away with the Pharisee that says, I'm a good person, better than most I know. I don't, we don't need people like that in the church. We need them gone. We need them. Well, let me back up. Church is a good place for them if they're preaching the truth. Be a good place for them to get saved. I love what Gerald Crabb said last time he's here. He said, People complaining about hypocrites in the church, that's where they need to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. Humility should be the first principle of Christianity. Humility should be the second principle of Christianity. Humility should be the third principle of Christianity. It starts with humility. Number four, the, the Pharisee boasted of his generosity. He paid his tithe. You know, for your own sake, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the lost world, for the sake of Christianity, you should give 10% of your income to God, period. You can try to work around it any way you want, but I promise you every time I'll bring you back to the Word of God. In fact, yesterday I had a guy, he's a super Christian. He loves the Lord until we started talking about tithes. And he said, well, that's Old Testament. I said, yeah, it was back in Old Testament. It's New Testament too. I said, you got to understand that Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek before the Ten Commandments even come along. It wasn't in the Ten Commandments. It happened way before that. You even look back at Cain and Abel. Abel brought his best before the Lord. And then I carried him back to uh, the New Testament, and I said, and Jesus was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He left me and wouldn't talk to me anymore. He did. He walked. I got to go. You know, the one big reason you should tithe outside of all that, though, is God has blessed you so much more under grace and mercy. Because you can come before him. God, I'm a sinner. I need your help today. And you know what I know as I look across here today? Every single one of you. Have at one time, whether you want anybody to know or not, has cried out to God for help. There's going to be days ahead that you're going to cry out to God for help. You're more blessed than anybody was ever under the law. You will never, ever be the Christian you should be until you rightly learn to relate your money to Jesus Christ. But can I tell you this? If you're only trusting in your works of generosity to make it in heaven, you're lost. William Borden had millions of dollars. William Borden lived for me. He didn't live very long, about 30-some-odd years old. He was a multimillionaire that lived around at the beginning of 1900. His daddy was a wealthy real estate man. They got rich in silver mining, too. And he had every reason to be satisfied with life. He loved people because of jesus he did not love the money he did not love the things of the world even though he was a multimillionaire. he worked in the slums of america he would go into mission fields throughout the world telling people about jesus christ a multimillionaire. someone had asked an english visitor they said what impressed you most about america and they said that sight of that young millionaire kneeling in a mission station with his arm around a drunken bum impressed me more than anything about this country. 
How many Christian millionaires today would you find doing that? How many of us just blessed by God got a, a pretty good little bit of money set up? How many would be found doing that today? How about you just average Joe Blow across the board here in the United States? All the, everything that we've taken for granted. Everything that we think that we deserve. Our houses and our homes, our food. Everybody that I know of drove up here today. Nobody coming a bicycle. Do you know the Church of God and other missionaries or mission, people that get in missionary fields? That they we take up offerings to get ministers over in Africa a bicycle so they can ride to different churches throughout locations in Africa. We think somehow we deserve everything we got. Let me tell you what, everything we got is because this nation has brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. That's why we are blessed. We're not blessed because anything we performed on our own. It's because we have presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to a dying and hurting world. You are blessed this morning. How many of us will be found wrapping our arms around some bomb that's drunk you to bus station or just on the side of the road how many of them people we see on the side of the road i know some are in it for the wrong reason but how many downtrodden got a little knapsack and that's all they call home how many of us would be found with our arms around them seeing what we could do for them we'll look at the public in just a few minutes and we're going to close the publican gave to came to god humbly he didn't brag or boast about anything he had you know what one must kneel low to enter into the kingdom of God. Without humility, without being a humble person, you're not going to see God. Let me tell you what else, living any kind of way you want and thinking it's okay with God. I had a young man tell me the other day, he was a very serious sin he was involved in, and I watched the tears come over, and he said, Brother Wilson, I was going to church. I was going through all the steps Nobody knew the sin I was involved in. It's not what sin do you do. I, don't worry about it. It's not important. It was a heinous sin. It was awful. But he said nobody even had a slightest bit of clue what I was doing. But I had convinced myself that it was okay. I had said in my heart that it's okay what I'm doing. Let me tell you what, a humble heart will never say sin is okay before God. God received this man because he came humbly and in the right spirit. You want to see God start doing something in your life? You want to see things that will confound the wise? Get your heart right before God. Quit playing games with him. Start coming with a humble heart before him. Have faith in the correct object of Christ and him crucified. And you'll, you'll light on fire for God. You'll get in there and you'll start doing the work for him. Won't nobody be able to cool you down with a water hose. Throughout the Bible, we see this kind of person. You know, very few people in the Bible, the great ones, lived a perfect life. A few did. Joshua was one. He was almost Christ-like. Joseph was another one. But you know, most great men of God, look at how they failed him throughout time. Look at Abraham. Look at Moses. Look at David. Look at Paul. Peter. We could go on and on and on about different ones in the Bible. They loved God with all their heart, but they failed. 
But you know one key ingredient that every one of them had. They feared the holy God. All wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Why do you think this world is coming undone at the hinge? Because they, don't, they no longer fear the Lord. All wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And when you do that, you start to become humble before Him. But that's when I know a God in the heavens that loves people with that kind of attitude. He comes down and does things that, that just people can't understand. How do you think an old dope addict can stand up here today? How do you think that all these things you've seen around you happen over the years, all the things that God has blessed this church with and they're starting to come to pass and things we said, do you think man did that? Man could have never man cannot take an impossible situation and turn it around. Only God can. Only God can do a thing like that. If you'll have that kind of heart, if you'll have that kind of attitude, Lord, have mercy. We on the radio now. There are people that like to light me on fire. And now they got to listen to me on the radio. Now they got to look at the church building out here when they pass. I thought they were closing down. Tough. We ain't closing down. We're going to be here. You know why? Because me and some more people here have got a humble spirit before a mighty God. And God's going to bring us through this thing till either death comes and he sends another pastor or till the rapture of the church happens. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep pushing through, even through my failures, even through my mistakes. I pray that the church, if I fail, would have the kind of mercy that God would show you. That's what we need in this world is some humble people that will wrap their arms around folks that have failed and say, you know what? I've been right where you're at, and I'm still going through it. Amen. What are you going through, Brother Wilson? Don't you worry about it. You eat off your own plate. You deal with your own problems. You don't have to confess everything. You want the church to know what you're doing, just tell another Christian, and I promise you the whole church will know. Deal with your own problems yourself. Put them before God. There's nothing wrong with talking to somebody in confidence. That's not nothing wrong with that. But as a whole, you know, when you step down the altar, you ask God for help. That's who you need to ask. That's the one who can change everything and turn the situation around. It is never too late with God. That publican felt his way to sin and he repented. You know, repent means to do a 180. It doesn't mean to keep on doing what you've been doing all these years and expect God to bless it. It Repent means to stop what you're doing and go a different direction. It doesn't mean you're going to quit. Oh, I'm perfect now, and I'm never going to sin again. You missed the point of the Bible. <laughs> Come on, brother. Well, you missed it. <laughs> the Bible says you're a sinner. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we have a merciful God who will hear you from heaven. And when you ask for forgiveness, he says, that's it. It's a done deal. You're forgiven. Don't you worry about all those hypocrites. You keep on going. Yeah. He didn't worry about that hypocrite Pharisee in the church, did he? What if I had stopped because of one hypocrite in the church? What if I had quit? 
What if I went back to doing what I was doing and now I'd have been dead or in prison? I could care less what anybody thinks about me. They're not God. They're in the same boat you are. They sin just like you. And the ones that are crying out the most how perfect they are, they ought to probably keep their mouth closed because a bone's liable to fly out and hit you in the head and knock you out. The publican confessed his sin. No one can get into heaven unless you confess your sin and repent. Period. There are many who will spend eternity in a place called hell because they will not admit they're a sinner. What a shame that a grown man or a grown woman cannot get in their prayer closet by themselves and admit before a thrice holy God, God, I'm a sinner. Help me. I need your help. I need your help, God. I need your help. The Pharisee left that day trusting in himself. That publican left that day trusting in God. The Pharisee left without, he didn't acknowledge he was a sinner, but that publican left knowing he was a sinner, but he was up under God's grace and mercy. The Pharisee left that day on his way to hell. That publican left that day on his way to heaven. Justified is a word you ought to understand. I'm going to explain this before I leave. This really changed my outlook in Christianity when I understood this. I don't know much. I'm not a great orator. I've got a few diplomas in there on my wall, but none of them compared to when I learned this, when I understood the message of the cross. One key ingredient, and this is a word you will very rarely hear anymore in the modern church. It's called justified. Here's what justified means. Justified means is you're innocent as though it never happened. Now, if I go over at Brother Glenn's house and I break in his house and steal all his stuff, and I go down to the jailhouse, they get me down there, and they're about to charge me, and Brother Glenn comes back and says, you know what, I'm going to forgive you, Brother Wilson, and don't, we're not going to worry about it. I mean, I, I was forgiven, but that doesn't mean I didn't do it. It's not justification. The court clear you of what you did. And you're in, let's say if you get in trouble with the law, I preach this down at the prison all the time. They understand it quick down there. But if you get in trouble with the law and they declare you innocent, it, it doesn't take it away. You were still charged with it, but the court just lets you go. But here's the deal, though. With God, here's what happens with God. When he said, whatever you did, and you've asked for forgiveness, by the blood of Jesus Christ, he justifies you. That means he takes you and he immerses you into the person and the body of Jesus Christ. Folks, this set me free. This took years and years and weight off of me. I didn't know what I was going to do. I walked around. It felt like concrete blocks on my chest all day long. That's how I felt. Nobody knew. I was hiding it with drugs. And I felt I just could not shake that feeling. But when I understood that God took me and placed me into the person of Jesus Christ spiritually, he looks at me like I'm, I'm Jesus Christ. I'm completely and totally perfect before him. Doesn't mean I am. I'm saying before him. And that means you are declared innocent as though it never happened. Let me tell you what. Why is that important? If you want to make heaven your home, 
If you want to experience this, what I'm talking about in your daily life, you have to be justified. And it's so simple. If you will have the correct object of faith, and you'll start realizing, quit listening to the devil that you're rank and you're not saved and you'll never amount to anything. You've got to understand before God you were made perfect. You are his creation. He loves you. His grace and mercy is flowing down into your life. And when you understand that, my God in heaven, you understand that God truly does love me. He has declared me innocent. And it sets me free from all the guilt, the pain, and the penalty that was due to him. That's why the world walks around in all the bondage that they're in. That's why they walk around in the dark. That's why they're doing these heinous sins. It's because they've got a weight on them. They don't know how to react. They're looking for answers everywhere. They're looking for every kind of program. Even the church is doing it now. We're going to get you professional help. We're going to do this. We're going to put you on this medication. We're going to do that. When the answer alone rests in Jesus Christ that will set you free. Take away the guilt. Take away the pain. Take away all those bad years and the things you've done. And set you free. You've been listening to The Power of the Cross with the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. Visit our website at grenadachurch.com for service times and to offer your support to our ministry. Please forward all prayer requests, comments, or questions to The Lighthouse, P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. Email us at lighthousechurchofgod at gmail.com or give us a call at 662-294-0608.